Good morning, Chair City Church. How are you? Good to see you all. Yeah, I do appreciate your enthusiasm. I look forward to it. What a blessing it is to me. We are in week two of our current teaching series, Change Thinking. And we're thinking about the way we think, right? Because we believe that God can change our lives through the way we think. The Bible tells us to take every thought captive. Last week we said we can choose about what we think. We get to choose what we dwell upon. Now, just because it's a choice doesn't mean it's not difficult, right? It is difficult to choose the right things to dwell on, dwell on uh, versus choosing not what to dwell on. Now, last week we talked about two memory problems that we have. We forget the things we want to remember, and we remember those things we want to forget. Huh? Now, now when I get stressed... I tend to forget the things I want to remember, right? And, and the more anxious I get, the more I might start remembering the things I, I want to forget, right? But there's no doubt anxiety does mess with my memory, huh? You know, it, it's important to remember the right things and the truth, especially in the most difficult times and trying circumstances. It's when we, those things tend to dissipate and those things that are distorted and false tend to increase. Anxiety will do that, right? It's important to remember what is true and what is right because who you are in life depends about your ability to remember. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, he introduces us uh, to... Communion, if you will, meaning he, he talks about communion in his passage in Corinthians, and, and, he, he, and in this, we see this word remembrance. You know, we, we see uh, an emphasis on remembering. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, I want you to remember that, took bread and he gave thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Night, just a short time before Jesus is going to be crucified on the cross, gathers his friends, his disciples together for a final meal, one final meal, and he tells them, I want to share something with you, and I'm doing that so you'll remember me. And the apostles, the followers of Jesus, the close ones, they're not really, they haven't really, it hasn't settled in on them. They haven't grasped what's about to come. But one thing they know is, hey, Jesus, uh, we're never going to forget you. How, how could we forget you? <laughs> how could we forget Jesus? Not just that we hung around you for three years, but all that we saw you do, all the things you've taught us, well, we're never going to forget you, Jesus, right? The details about you. Be it Jesus, fully God, fully man. Jesus, who created the human mind, knows the human mind. He knows his followers you here today and I, we can get so worked up, we can get so overwhelmed, we can get so stressed, so worried, so anxious that eventually we can forget. We can forget some of those most important things 
Who you are in life depends on your ability to remember. Now, here's a problem. Anxiety causes us to forget. Yeah. And in this series, we're asking God, Holy Spirit, it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will mess with our minds, right? Mess with the way we think. It'll mess with the way we think about our past. It'll mess with the way we think about our present. It's going to mess with the way we think about our future. Yeah. That it's going to bring it to a place of, of honoring God, of, of trusting in God. When it comes to our present, hmm, many of us, me included, we get robbed of our present because of worry and anxiety. You see, the way it works for me is I could be like sitting there at dinner with my family, right? And, you know, company's great. My wife, my kids, food's good. Uh, home's great. And it's all good. And, and I'm, I'm okay at first. And then that worry will begin to kind of creep up in my thoughts. I could be worrying about something to do with the people that are sitting right there before me who I love. And they just want me and my attention and my presence my affirmation, my encouragement, and I'm worrying about what I could do for them and what I'm going to be and not be for them. Could be one of the things that I'm worrying about. And it's creeping up. But I'm still kind of giving the impression I'm there with them. They don't realize I'm fading out yet. They don't realize my presence is diminishing with them. And then that worry kind of escalates to like an anxiety in me. And you know, it's gotten to an anxious place when now... I virtually, it, it shows in my face where literally, physiologically now, my, I become motionless. So if I was like frowning on something they said or intense, I'm just there. No matter what they're talking about, that's, that's my face. If I was laughing and they could be saying something serious, I'm just, you know, I'm just frozen there. Now, it used to confuse them, like, Dad, Dad, wh why are you laughing? That wasn't funny. Or like, Dad, are you upset? What, what did I say, you know? But now they just know, Dad, you're not with us. You're not paying attention, right? Yeah, Dad's not. I'll actually hear it. I'm going back. With, oh, Dad's not here. Dad's not paying attention. My littlest one, Janelle, when she was small, caught on so quickly, she would reach out and grab me with two hands by the face and, like, and like turn me back and forth and say, Daddy, pay attention to me. Look at me. And I kind of come around. But, but that's what it, it can, it takes me out of the presence it takes me out of being with people. I'm consumed by that anxiety, right? Now, I have anxiety to different degrees. Um, so do you. You do. Like, you get sad, you get happy, you get angry. You have anxiety. It's, it's an emotion. It's, it's part of us. Uh, it, put in us by God. It, it can be implemented in a healthy way, just like sadness, anger, and all those other emotions can. Uh, we have an enemy, an adversary. Uh, and he creeps in that and distorts and twists what God intended for good for us. Um, some of us are more predisposed to anxiety than others because uh, maybe there's a, there's a biological component to this, but in, in as much so also it could be circumstantial, trauma, things we went through. It's now messed up with the circuitry of our, our brains. Either way, some are more kind of predisposed or vulnerable to excessive anxiety than others are, Right? And we worry. I mean, our minds have a bent towards worrying, right? 
We worry about work. We worry about the kids. We worry about if something happens to kids. We worry about paying the bills. We worry about getting sick. We worry about getting sued. We worry about uh, finding a job. We worry about losing a job. We worry about a relationship. Will we be alone? Will we find somebody? We worry about our spouse. We worry about if I lose my spouse. We just, we worry. Our, and then it's just not worry. It's an anxiety. And, and, and anxiousness, our word anxiousness comes from a, a Latin word, anxitas. I'm sure in a time we eat meat and cheese and we call it antipasta. I'm messing up with the two words. But, so it's antipas. The Latin word means to suffocate, to choke. And that's what's happening in us emotionally. It's overwhelming us to different degrees some more than others, but it's there. But here's what God wants to do. He wants to change your thinking. God wants to transform your mind, right? See, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, don't worry. And, and, and then the next chapter, 7, he says, don't judge. So don't judge someone else's anxiety. Don't judge someone who's overwhelmed with worry. Because again, it's just not as simple as you might think, and it's more complicated, more complex, more layered than you might perceive. When someone's dealing with anxiety, they don't need a judge, they need a friend. They, don't, they need somebody who's going to come alongside them and encourage them. Someone who will gently remind them of what they have forgotten. Because often, even if it's biologically, you're being overwhelmed with anxiety because anxiety causes you to forget. Huh? And so you come alongside them as a friend and you're kindly and gently reminding them of that truth, right? And that's important because anxiety, and you're realizing anxiety has caused them to forget. And forgetting is important, right? Let's watch the video. And now to honor America and salute the men and women serving our country with our national anthem. Please welcome, as voted by you, the fans, our winner of the Toyota Get the Feeling of a Star promotion, Natalie Gilbert.
awesome. So, yeah. So Natalie Gilbert, I think she's 13 years old, clearly anxious, worried, and forgets what she needs to remember, right? And then here you have Maurice Cheeks. Well, Maurice Cheeks was coach of the visiting team, not even his court. If you notice, probably about 50 feet away, sees this young woman imploding, right? Forgetting the words, rallies to her side. And by the way, courageously, because the guy can't sing, obviously, right? <laughs> I thought I can't sing. I'm like, oh, I got a partner here, you know? But think about that, okay. 20,000 people puts his arm around her, comes alongside her, this anxious, precious being puts his arm around her and begins to just remind her of the words, remind her of what is true, helps her to remember what's going on. And then what happens? You know, one by one, 20,000 people come alongside, right? They join in, coaches, players. If you watch sports, you don't usually see so many people singing with such enthusiasm, right? Natalie said it was, it was like a guardian angel, and speaking to Maurice Cheeks was like a guardian angel had come alongside me and put his arm around me. He helped me get through one of the most difficult experiences I've ever had in my life at that time. Wow. Natalie went on to study at the American Musical Theater Workshop, a pretty prestigious place up in that area. She was so, I mean, you get anxious watching her, right? Like when you're seeing her sing, you get anxious thinking, okay, here it comes. She's going to forget these words. That's because anxiety is contagious, is it not? Anxiety is contagious. It spills out of you. Huh? But when Maurice Cheeks came along and put his arm around her, when he was a friend who came to remind her of truth in a caring, loving way, what happened there? One by one, it spilled over. You see, love, comfort, and care is contagious as well, is it not, right? Yeah, it's just as contagious. It's even more contagious. And look at the difference it made, huh? When someone is dealing with anxiety, they don't need a judge, they need a friend. Someone who's going to be present, that is going to come alongside them, put their arm around them, and then lovingly, caringly be in a position to share with them the truth, perhaps what they've not remembered, God's word. And that's because, and they need that, and that's because when you're anxious, you forget. Maybe you're here today because you know someone's life who's been, that's been negatively affected by anxiety. Might have even affected you negatively in some ways, right? And, 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 and they're going through a difficult circumstances. Maybe they've been in a season of difficulty, right? And maybe today is a day where, inspired by God, you're going to come alongside in a way that honors God, right? And you're going to help them to remember what's most important, what God wants them to know. Not as much what we want to impose on them, but what God truly wants them to know. Because when you get anxious, you tend to forget the things that matter most. Right? This week was a very demanding week for me. Um, I say that from time to time. Really, there, was, there were points of me where I was stretched. I don't remember being this stretched uh, emotionally and, and, and mentally, cognitively. Or perhaps it was just all that it was building up to Easter, the magnificence of Easter, all that went on, the hours leading up to it, hours after it. But what happened was this year, usually Easter's earlier, and I, as many of you know, I'm in school going for my master's in counseling, and so usually the end of the semester is the ending, the last week of April. And Easter is usually ending of March, beginning uh, of April, you know. Well, this year, they just kind of came together. 
not a good thing, man. Not a good thing for me. Because, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, um, my strength is not academics. I value academics. It's just not my, my strength. I have to work somewhat harder than I think most people to, uh, to you know, to, to get my A's and my B's, right? Um, and so just as the days were going on, it was getting worse and worse and, 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 and more challenging for me, you know? And so if you were around the home, you know, you'd see me walking around like in a funk, you know, doing this, and, or sometimes just, just if you walked into my office, I'd be sitting there like this, or you just might have heard like, no, 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 no! It was right there, it was, it was right there! Where to go? Oh, stop, why? Thinking I've lost my, you know, my document, and I'm like, you know, 10 pages in on a 14-page research paper, it's like, you know, screaming out this carnal scream, like tears welling up in my eyes, anger, emotions flooding me, right? Really difficult, difficult week. And, and, and during that week, I began to wrestle with convictions and thought, and, and, and this term from John Wesley, who's a preacher in the 1700s, it came to me, and he would say, the best of all is God is with us. God is with us. You need to know that now. As you're struggling, which I was, and the, my worst ailment was I was beginning to get incredibly anxious. And, and, and to pause and say, God, here's the truth that we can tend to forget. God is with us. God, the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God is with us. The Lord is near. Jesus is near. And I think that's what Paul, he sets out in the very beginning of that fourth chapter of Philippians. Of Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, right? One of the things he, he wants to introduce to us. Paul is um, writing to us from Rome, but he's not in a Rome that you and I would love. He, he's, he's under house arrest. He's chained to a Roman soldier when he's writing these words I'm going to read to you from Philippians the Romans are cruel. I mean, they've mastered the art of cruelty. They've mastered torture. They have found ways to kill people and, and have them endure such pain in dying like no one has, right? Hence the cross and crucifixion. And Paul right now is under their authority arrested, but he doesn't know when the day ends, is his head's still going to be attached to his shoulders, literally, right? And so... Paul's writing here to tell me, to tell you how to have peace, how to deal with anxiety in these words. So if I'm going to learn how to have peace in my life, if I'm going to learn how to deal with my anxiety, I'd like to learn it from somebody who's been in the thick of it, somebody who's had some pretty overwhelming circumstances and in the midst of those trying circumstances came out like strong, overcoming anxiety and maintaining peace, yes? And we have that. We have that here in these words in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The best of all is that God is with us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understandings will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Obviously, it's a very dear verse to my heart. Paul tells us not to be anxious about work, about the kids, about the bills, about what's coming, about our health, our appearance, relationships, not to be anxious. Now, when someone tells you to stop doing something, that generally is not very productive and can be somewhat aggravating, right? 
It's like if you have insomnia, and they're like, well, we try and sleep more. It's like, yeah. If you have any addiction or problem, well, stop doing that. Like, yeah, okay, I can't. So Paul's not kind of telling us here to try harder. He's not giving us a try harder message. Paul is giving us a transform your mind message. What he gives us here, the way he lays it out, lays it out is if we embrace this, it will transform our minds. He's trying to help us change our thinking. He is helping us to have a mindset of peace. Now maybe you're struggling with anxiety right now. Let's look at how Paul tells us to deal with that. First, Paul brings us to think we change our thinking about anxiety with worship. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Paul says to worship God, right? To lift him up, to exalt him in your thoughts, in your thinking. Right in the middle of that worry, that anxious thought, to worship God, to lift him up. The least anxious person I know in my life is my wife. She is. And the person I know who worships God the most, exhorting him, talking to him, singing to him, speaking to him, is my wife. We're a little different here. <laughs> and, and, and this week was certainly a, an illustration of that. I mean, I am prone to more anxiousness and anxiety than she is. And, and she's prone to be kind of verbally and worshiping and kind of more exuberant about God, you know, minute to minute than I am. But this week, oh, that was really vivid in our home because, you know, here I am like, no, no, no. And walking around just tense and, and, and overwhelmed and, and, and abrupt at times and, and, and trying to be polite and nice and church and school and this and that and kids and just, and just and, and, you know, I mean, it just was so, it was so severe. I think it, at one point, I, I think it was yesterday, driving, I had to pull over and call my wife and say, okay, you got to pray for me. I, I'm coming to the end now because I don't even know where I'm going. I, 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 don't even, I don't even know why I'm in the car. I have to pull, I, I said, pray for me because it's, it's, it's coming, I'm losing it. I mean, literally, like, I'm mentally, it's coming apart on me here. I'm, I'm becoming so overwhelmed. I was going to the men's uh, breakfast. <laughs> Eventually, it came back to me where I was going. And that's where I was, and that's where I'm in the house. And Christy's, Christy's walking around, you know, praising God, singing, loving life, speaking truth, singing it out. That's where Christy is, right? So, so God is looking down and like, what am I going to do with this man, you know? It's like, I'm sorry I gave you this guy. Really, really. Anxiety can overwhelm you, right? It, you know, what it does is, you see, the reason why Paul's telling us to worship in the midst of our anxiety let alone that it's a nice preemptive uh, element to, you know, to get into your life, but because worship and worry cannot coexist, right? They can't. Worship and worry cannot coexist. Just like Christy and I, we're not coexisting very well this week, right? I think we did a fairly decent job, thank God, but overall, we were, it wasn't very good, if you will, because she's worshiping and I'm worrying. Worship and worry in your mind will not coexist. If you are worshiping, worry will not prevail. Your worrisome thoughts will be diminished. Your worship will break them down, will eradicate them. And at the same time, if you decide, I'm going to choose to dwell, to stay on my worrisome thoughts, you will literally, you will 
be resistant and hesitant to absorbing the good truth that God has for you. You will forget. You will forget God's truth. You will forget the power of them. Huh? And what happens is you're going to be dwelling on small things and missing out the big things. You hear what I'm saying? Even though they seem so huge to you, it's like a quarter in front of your, in front of your face. I know it's this and the kids and money. I, I, same life, man. And those smaller things are going to cloud you of seeing the bigger picture and the bigger things. We have a saying here, Gay, glance, glance at your problems and gaze at God. Gaze at the wonderful, sovereign, most ex- excellent God you have. So, worship God. Worship God today as you have. When you leave the building here today, worship God. When you get in your car on the home today, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, worship God. Exalt him in your thoughts. Sing out loud if you have to. Talk to yourself. But sing in your mind. But, but just be talking to God. Worship God. That when you come in here next Sunday, you're in this mode of worshiping God. Hey, we love it when you come in. Come in as you are, as we say. But promise you, better that you come in in a place of worship or in a, in a, in a place where your worship has been battling and winning over these problems, these anxious thoughts, then they come in week to week saying, okay, I'm coming in for my shot of B12 here to worship, and I'm going to go back on Monday and, go, and just default now to that way of focusing and dwelling on my problems, right? Because that, that's my Christianity. That's how I do this thing. I go in, you know, Monday, I mean Sunday, and I see the people, and I'm smiling, I'm nice, everything's cool, and I feel good, I'm with the people, the music, and I'm not mocking, I mean, it's, it's cool, I'm glad, I want you to be like that, you know, better for me. But then Sunday comes, and I'm, or even Sunday later, I'm back at home now. Now I'm, now I'm doldrum. Now I'm not well, because now I'm focusing on my problems. No, no, no. Worship. Worship in your home. Worship in your family. Worship at work. Worship. Do you hear me? Because worry and worship cannot coexist. So Paul, next thing he tells us is we change our thinking about anxiety with gentleness Paul says in verse 5, to let your gentleness be evident to all. He says, the Lord is near. You see, this word gentleness carries uh, this, um, to, have a, to have a calmness in the midst of crisis, of, of difficulty, of hard circumstances. You see, worry, anxiety tends to, what it does is, in the midst of difficulty, when we, it, when we first kind of come to an end of kind of, wrestling with ourselves and, and, and blaming ourselves, we often will then turn to those around us, right? We often will then turn to look to see what others haven't done or what they could be doing or should be doing. And, and through insinuation or actually accusation, we will go to them, right? Because we're, we're trying to control this and we're trying to bring resolution because we're so anxious, we're so worried, we got to resolve it. And, and this is how we will play it out. And of course, again, as I might have said before, uh, we're, we're wanting the, the betterment for them and for us, but in wanting to help them, here we are not feeling well because we're not where we should be to help them. We wind up hurting them because it's all come on a place. Did I lose you? From a place of anxiety. And, and really what's going on is we're focused on ourselves. I, I know we, we believe we're, we're looking out for them because that, that's, that's, that could be the core of what's happening, the money, the but we're really focusing on ourselves, on our limitations, on really even our past, on what we're defaulting to and how we interpret things. We're looking more to ourselves. Anxiety and worry 
causes us to focus on ourselves. You need to know that. That as you're getting anxious and as you're getting worried, it really is something you are now more and more turning into yourself. Gentleness causes us to focus on others. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. That in the midst of difficulty, your gentleness, those around you know not the, not, not the consequences of your anxiety, but the affections of your gentleness. You see the difference? Could, could you even just now begin to picture what that would do in your relationships? Hmm? Paul tells us next, change your thinking about anxiety with prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So I've said that or a version of that, you know, forgive us our sins. I've said that prayer or a version of that prayer thousands of times. Literally like thousands and thousands of times. And I, I go to do a visit several years ago, some time ago, and I, uh, I walk into a room, it's a crowded room, and I'm there to visit a person who's, who's not doing well. They're doing terribly physically. They... they died either two days later or the next day. I think, I think they died the next day. And, uh, and so, you know, the way it worked out, usually when you go in a room, uh, you know, it's kind of like, there's like a, you know, a kind of a subtle chitter-chatter in a room like that. There generally won't be as many people. And, then, and when a minister comes in, you know, they'll kind of bring some attention. But here when I walked in, it was kind of more of a very loud talking. And, I'm, I, and I know why, because half the people in there were lit. They were under the, they were under the influence of, of uh, drugs and alcohol. You know, and I could tell that by odors and just by discombobulation. <laughs> I'll get there. And, uh, and so when I walked closer to the person, it was really like noticeable. Like, vroom, it just stopped. It went from like kind of loud to just like, stop. And then all of a sudden, I could hear people walking and coming closer. Uh, and there's a lot of people, so I could hear, and they were like, you know. <laughs> and all these noises, the stopping of the talking, the hearing of all the, hearing of all the footsteps, I think it just kind of crept up on me. It made me really like nervous and anxious. And, and when you're anxious, what do you do? You are. You forget. And so I, I'm starting to say, I, I decided there to start to say to your father, just understanding some background, this and that. And I start to recite the Our Father. It's like, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And, and I forget what's next. I go blank, man. And so here I am. And I'm like, oh, no. You know? I'm like, okay. So I'm standing in front of somebody who, who who's, has a short time to live. And the last thing they're going to remember is I messed up their last prayer, right? And as I'm, like, you know, just feverishly wrestling with, like, so help me. Or what am I going to do? I hear the prayer going on. So these drunks that I was surrounded with, they knew the prayer too, and they were carrying it out really well, right? So, so maybe I should just have had a drink before I went to DR Father, and that would have helped me out. Maybe not, but... So I, I go home, and I tell Christy what happened. I'm like, I, I, I'm like, I, I was a terrible minister today. I, I screwed up the Our Father in a person's, you know. And she's like, well, you know what, Dave? She goes, you know, maybe it's not so 
matter that you screw it up, because maybe it's just more important that you were there and you said that you, know, that, you, that you were praying, not so much the words. And of course, at the time, I really don't think I had really did much for me. Uh, well, it certainly probably helped me not get worse. But you know, as time went on, I'm like, Chrissy has a point. Meaning, it's okay to forget the words, just don't forget to pray. You hear what I'm saying? It's okay to forget the words, just don't forget to pray. When we get anxious, we forget. We forget the words. We're so overwhelmed. Our mind, as I was saying to Christian this week, literally, I'm like, my mind, I can't, my mind is so overwhelmed. And I said, I, I, I'm really, what do I, it's like, it, it's just pouring in. I'm so overwhelmed. It's just, it's nonstop. I'm, 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 I'm struggling to sleep. I, 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 I don't know where to start and stop it. When we get anxious, we forget the words. But just pause and pray. Don't figure it out. Don't try and cognitively or intelligently just pause and call out to God, right? Just talk with God. And not even so much about what you're struggling with. Just talk with God. Just dwell in his presence. The Lord is near. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't forget to pray. One, in every situation. Your spouse, the bills, relationships, just God, help me. Help me be gentle. Help me to work through this battle. God, I just, you know what? I'm just here, and I just want to, God, help me to acknowledge your presence, that, that you're with me, oh God. Help me right now to just recall deeply within myself that you are a loving and a living God, that, that I am here, that I can talk to you, God. It, just let me now, let that just come upon me, how wonderful that is. May my soul be strengthened that I can just even more recognize and feel your presence. We're just taking it in now, right? First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him. It actually says that, cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. So now when you start to get worried, instead of beginning to try and work it out within yourself and make your worries increase and getting anxious, you now cast that on God. You bring that to God. And you get worried and you do it again. And what happens? Just like everything else in your brain, the way your brain starts working is it, it gets used to that. It gets conditioned to that. So now when you start to get worried, you're gonna, that worry is going to trigger you depending on God. It's going to trigger you thinking of God. But you need to start that today. You need to start to say, you know what, when I start to worry about something, I'm going to pause and say, you know what, I'm going to inject God, my faith in God, my thoughts in God, my prayers to God, I'm going to do that right now. And the more you do it, the more you're going to see it's going to kind of happen fairly naturally and powerfully. Turn to God with thanksgiving and give him your worries this morning. Don't forget to pray because who you are in life depends on what you remember. Then Paul goes on to say, change your thinking and the way you perceive anxiety with thanksgiving. Change your thinking with thanksgiving. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You see, thanksgiving, it kind of breaks worry down. Thanksgiving erodes worry, right? Somebody, I think it was Greta, said to me, Worship is the prescription for worrying or anxiety. When I get worried, I make a mental list of what I'm grateful for. I literally do. I start to sit there and I begin to, I begin to build and remember those things I'm thankful for. I be, begin to remember what God has done in my life. So the first service, I kind of did it impromptu and I tossed out what I'll toss out to you now.
I wasn't even thinking of bringing it into the sermon. And then I was kind of flying through, obviously, talking about the week. So I told you what a difficult week it's been for me with the schooling. And I, I have two classes. On Thursday, I finished one class, and it was a class presentation, uh, you know, and, and others and readings, and, and, I, and I did well, and I'm going to pass, and I'll, I'll likely get a, at least a B. It's going to be good. Uh, there was this other class that is still hanging out there that, I mean, I've done a good amount of work for it already. I mean, it's, you know, it's uh, 36 hours of lectures that I've been introduced to at least. Um, I've done a good amount of reading or some reading. And now I have this uh, research paper that I've been, obviously I told you I was working on, right? I chose Elizabeth Fry, incredible uh, woman in England, late 1700s, really going through the 1800s, who uh, reformed prison, you know? one of the first persons in this world to go into prisons and begin to say, hey, this is deplorable, the way people are being treated, and took her faith in God and leveraged that and went in there. And, and really, the majority of what you see as far as better conditions and prison reforms in our countries because of this woman, Elizabeth Fry, and what she did. Before her was John Howard too, but she came along and really got into parliament, got into people of, uh, of higher positions because she came from a, a very wealthy family, Barclays Bank, England. Barclays Financial Institution, that was, uh, that was her family. And she, got, she said, you know, this, this is dulling me, all this balls and parties and dancing and teas. There's nothing meaningful here for me. And God began to convict her to turn to something more meaningful in life, and that led her to going into these prisons and giving her life to reach out to these people. Okay, I, I went off there. All right, so um, I, I finished the research paper. And, and it, it was deep. It's involved because I'm going through her journals because you have to have primary resources. I'm in her journals. I'm in the journals and diaries of people in those days in the 1700s, 1800s to kind of support that of what was going on in the backgrounds and but boom I get it done now I have uh, an annotated bibliography and I've got an exam annotated bibliography is okay you had to read 1500 pages you know it is about seven books uh, and okay now tell us a paragraph or two about each book all right I've read half of the readings maybe a little less than half but what is it to turn around and just say you know what look at the book okay a couple of paragraphs there you go what is it to do that right and, and, and the exam, I have it in a packet. She gave it to me. It's sealed. I have to go and get somebody to sit down, have them sit with me for three hours, and they have to turn around and sign off that they did this. And the thoughts begin to, how can I circumvent this a little bit? How can I work around this? How can I kind of fudge this a bit? And, and, and I have, which she says is going to be most of the questions. The questions are so difficult, you've got to go back and research all these lectures. And I'm thinking, okay, how? But then you can't turn around and take what you've researched and bring it to when you take the exam. So she said, here's, here's the question that's going to be. But it's so deep, you're going to have to go through 36 hours of lectures to find the answer. And by the way, you've got to write like three, four, five hundred words. That's your answer. And so I'm figuring out, and here's what's happening. I'm breaking down. I'm not well. I'm breaking down mentally. And God is convicting me. I feel it. God is speaking to me every day as I begin to think about ways I could turn around and, and shortcut this, about ways I could turn around and cram it, about ways I could turn around and do this, about, you know, as I'm trying to do it, and I'm feeling this conviction, like, it's just not right, what am I doing, you know? And I'm not saying it's okay, it's okay to cram here and there, and I've, actually, I think you always cram when you have an exam, but to the extent I'm doing it, and really, most importantly, what it's doing to me, and what it, the effect of it's having on me, it's all not well. And of course, I have that annotated bibliography. I'm not gonna read seven, 800 pages over the next two days. That's just not gonna happen. Uh, but somehow, I began to quickly reconcile, I, I can sign this and just flip through. 50 pages, 100 pages, yeah, okay. But I mean, come on, seven, eight, I've left the spirit of it now at seven, 800 pages. And 
And then yesterday, I'm watching my daughter's game, and I'm realizing I'm, I'm, I, I can't even take this in. I'm so overwhelmed. And then I have this moment, you know, and I realize I'm, I'm so overwhelmed with anxiety. And I just pause, and I say, you know what? I'm looking at my daughter playing ball, and I just stop, and I start thanking God. I'm thanking God for my wife sitting next to me. I'm thanking God for my daughter playing. I'm thanking God for my family. I'm thanking God for you. I'm thanking God for this church. I'm thanking what he's done in my life. I'm thanking God that I'm even in, in this excellent seminary. That itself is providence, an extraordinary story of how I even got in in the first place. And, it, and the more I thank God, the more I realize, okay, now that conviction becomes more prominent. And it's like, okay, Dave, can you just trust God to fail? Can you just fail the class, Dave? And I've, I can't stand failing. But Dave, something's going on here between you and God. This is a day, a moment day for you to grow, for you to grow spiritually, for you to grow in your faith. And Dave, is, isn't that what you would tell people is purpose? That, wouldn't you tell somebody right now that, that this is a purpose because God is going to do something wonderful in your life? That, that as you honor God right now and grow, he's preparing you for that straight and narrow path, that, that his providence is there for you. Dave, can, just, can you just fail the class, Dave? Just, you know, oh yeah, but I, I've done two-thirds of the work, and it's costing me a, a, a crazy amount of money. It's costing me and my family. And I've driven up there like 12 times. I've, I've put so many hours into this, and the paper, and all that pain, and for what? And you know what? I said, you know, I'm going to fail the class. I'm not going to do this. God didn't bring this into my life for this reason. This is not who I want to be in my home. This is not what I want to be. I've got this wonderful church. No, this is a moment for me to grow. This is not so much about this paper or this grade. This is about something between me and God. I have to grow. And, and I'm in this place right now because of nobody else but me, because of some of the things that I need to fix and I need to improve, and I'm not going to cloud it. I'm not going to run from it. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to do this. Today, today I'm going to be right before God. I'm going to just... I'm just going to put myself in the hands of a living and a loving God. And I thanked him, and I thanked him, and I thanked him. And I just sat there for a half hour, unbeknownst to anybody, just thanking God for all he had done. And the more I thanked him, the more I realized of all the possibilities. Instead of focusing on all the consequences that would come from me not passing and all that, I began to focus on the possibilities that could come from me honoring God and trusting God. And it became limitless. And I began to say to myself, David, don't, haven't you seen this happen when people have trusted God, the wonderful things that have come in their lives? David, when you trusted God in those most difficult times, didn't incredible things happen? David, when Elizabeth Fry trusted God, yes, 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 yes. I'm going to trust God. So tonight I will write my professor, and I'm telling you all this because now I really have to do this, of course, right? Tonight I will write my professor a very a kind letter thanking her for her efforts, and her, she's a tremendous professor, and, uh, and letting her know that I will, will not be handing in my exam and that I will fill my class and I will see her next spring when she does the class again. And I believe with all my heart that I'm gonna have, that when I sit with my wife tomorrow and celebrate her birthday, because I had this whole thing, I was gonna finish everything up, and now I'm this close to finishing, and, and I'm gonna sit there with Christy, and because we do it, I'm gonna celebrate. But I would have been carrying all that incompleteness. That's what we do. Instead, I'm gonna sit with her, and I'm gonna be so grateful that she has a better husband, and my children have a better father, and I am better before God, right? And I'm gonna have freedom, right? That's what I'm going to have. I'm going to have true freedom. It's a beautiful thing, you see? Thanksgiving brings you to freedom because it helps you recognize the power of God. So we have to kind of kick through here. Huh? You know, Thanksgiving comes, anxiety comes from worrying about what you don't have. Thanksgiving reminds you of what God has done for you and what God can do for you. 
When I'm thanking God, as you see, it brings me to a place of peace. And with peace now, I can come to a place of thinking better and thinking clearer. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, meaning it's, just, it's beyond what you can even fathom. When I'm in the midst of that mess, I can't even picture, you can't even think of such a peace that I had moments after I made Once I knew that this is what I was going to do, within seconds, a peace began to come upon me. It was like rain in a desert. This morning I got up and I just felt so much better. I did. Today, as my day goes on, I'm feeling better and better and better. Yes, even better. And, and, and if I didn't, where would I be right now? I'd be entangled in this mess though. And who knows more consequences that would have came into my life. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. A peace that guards your hearts, a peace that transforms the way you think, change the way you think, that even in the midst of uncertainty, of instability, peace. Now, i got to finish this out. I, it's 10 minutes after 12, hang in there, because I, I enjoy talking about me, but I want to tell you about Jesus. I want you to see Jesus deeply in all of this. See, Jesus came to show us what is possible when we are in right relationship with God. Jesus faced the most difficult circumstances. There were some incredible anxious times that he endured. Yeah, Jesus had anger. Jesus had sorrow, sadness, happiness, gladness, anger, and actually anxiousness, it's an emotion. He never sinned in that emotion. He glorified God and all that. He trusted in his Father in heaven. Jesus lived peacefully. He was filled with peace. Jesus was fully God and fully man. Now, shortly before he's going to be crucified, let's go back to the beginning now where we started in the sermon. Shortly before he's going to be crucified, he gathers his followers together, his disciples, and he gathers them together for one last meal, what you might know is the Last Supper. And he looks at them and he says, remember me. And then Jesus puts into play what Paul is talking about here in the fourth chapter of Philippians. You see, Jesus is in the shadows of a brutal death. And he's about to share in the first communion ever. Something that we've been practicing since antiquity for over 2,000 years is going to happen for the first time. And what that communion is going to, communion is going to be is what? It's an illustration of what's going to happen to him on the cross. So when he says, this is my body, which will be broken. This is my, this is my body, which is going to be broken, crushed really soon. And when he says, this is the cup, that liquid in that cup, that's my blood that's going to be poured out for me. So he's vividly illustrating to him what's going to happen. Talk about anxiety. And we know that it was upon him because a short time later when he goes out to pray in the garden, he's, it says that he's overwhelmed with agony. I mean, anxiety times, times a million. He's so overwhelmed that the Bible says he sweat drops of blood. We know that's a literally not a figurative now because scientists tell us that, yes, your capillaries can be, if you're so overwhelmed mentally that it can induce your capillaries to burst. However, you and I, being human, would pass out before that would happen. But if we didn't pass out, yes, that would happen. And Jesus, being fully man and fully God, endured that massive anxiety, massive, massive agony to the point where he sweated blood. And he knows that's coming, and here he is, because he's doing this illustration. And what does he do? He takes the bread, 
he breaks it, and what does he do? He gives what? He gives thanks. He breaks the bread, saying, hey, here's what's going to be happening. And by the way, thanks be to God. He gives thanks. And then after he gives thanks, what is he? He's gentle. He goes around and he washes the feet of the disciples, even the one who's going to betray him. And after that, after washing the feet, what does he do? He sings a hymn when they're done. He's giving thanks. He's being gentle. He's worshiping. And then when it's all over, where does he go? He goes out to the Mount of Olives. And what did I tell you he does? He prays. So he gives thanks, he worships, he's gentle, and he prays. Everything Paul says in, in the fourth chapter of Philippians about how to deal with anxiety, Jesus showed us in this critical time in his life, this is what I did. When I'm right before I'm heading to the cross, that's going to bring such an, a mass amount of anxiety and agony, this is what I did. I gave thanksgiving, I was gentle to those around me, even the one who's betraying me. I worshiped God, I sang a hymn of glory to God, filled my mind and my heart with that, and then I prayed, I talked to my Father in heaven, yes? And I got a peace that transcends all understanding. What do you do with your anxiety? Do what Paul did when he was chained to a Roman soldier thinking he's going to get killed. Do what Jesus did as he's about to be crucified. Worship, be gentle, be thankful to God, pray and talk with God. Jesus said, remember me, because who we are in life depends on our ability to remember. To God be the glory. Have a great day.